This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. You know, you always hear people say, oh, well, that that storyline has been done before. And and it's really interesting because, Ramya, as, as we think about the algorithm that we talked about right off the top, the using AI to write those blog posts and so on, and you stop and say, well, of course, if it's imitating, recreating, and it has enough information, it, it, it basically knows. Yeah, well, this is the ones that these Kelly and company people write, so I'll just write the same and just put that right information yep. in, and it'll look the same as yesterday's, the day before, and so on. Um, and and as, as John was saying, doing that with poetry, which I never really thought of, that's true. You, you, I mean, I think you got to put the idea out. What, I want to write a poem about spring and have that support. But as you get thinking about how many of these versions of stories like this as we say ooh that's creepy and looking for but we've seen that before as you say on Black Mirror or uh, I might say yeah that seemed like an old Twilight Zone episode it's something familiar but it's interesting that at those times just like the algorithm you're using what you have what's been inputted to create what you may be doing the same story that someone Mm -hmm. did 20 years before on another series exactly yeah just stretch it a little bit yeah Stretch it a little bit and and uh, cater it to your time, right? And at that and time, it's believable because of the yeah, near future you're trying to work within. So oh, I, I, I find that fantastic, but I think that's <laughs> how it scary. gets us. Exactly. I think that's how they get us, and it scares us really easy. Mm-hmm. McGee, you're like me. You remember all these like Twilight Zones and things like that that were designed to kind of make you think, and they just stayed within enough of a realm to say, this is possible if you think of the future once we gather this kind of intel together. Welcome back to the show as we uh, visit uh, with Karen McGee out in the Ottawa area where she's got all sorts of great information for us. She is our uh, AMA content development specialist in that neck of the woods. Welcome back. Kelly, I'm old enough Uh-oh. that I used to belong to the v- Twilight Zone VHS Cape of the Month Club. Oh my goodness. Well, I'm be, not old. You could be a little older. You could belong to the beta, you know, uh, instead of VHS. <laughs> She's a collector. I think she was version. collecting VHS. Yeah. Uh, what was your favorite I episode of Twilight Zone? Oh, I like the one where all the guy wanted to do was read and he broke his glasses because I love to read. Mm. And he was like left alone on earth. Yeah. And so he had all the books and all the time, but he broke his reading glasses and then he was pooched. <laughs> and there was no one to fix it. Nope. Yeah. So we're stuck alone on Earth. That's tragic. And and some of those episodes, when you had these episodes, Rami, I find in any show where there's one character and Twilight Zone and maybe Alfred Hitchcock presents or or Night Gallery was another one that would do this. And when it was one character, man, they were creepy. I have a question. Did you watch it well without audio description? Was it good? Uh, good well enough. I, I had some audio well description enough? called uh, dad oh, or mom or. Right. Okay, got it. <laughs> Family watching. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, back then. But d- definitely you were left to a lot of your interpretation, especially these as we talk about one handers with, you know, like this character in, in Twilight Zone that Karen's speaking of. But there there was also just a feeling of an ominous feeling with those shows, right, Karen? They didn't have the mm-hmm. technology we do now with the music and some of the effects, but they were still could be really creepy. 
the music did a lot of it, as did a lot of the camera shots. And one of the things I learned in school is how to make things seem creepy with point of perspective with the camera. And I can't remember all the tricks, but like, just like the way they would pan or zoom or even cut mm. can add that element of um, anxiety and angst to a show. Yes. Like the panic sure. look around the room. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, the old stuff was great. I've been watching some old, older movies recently and you forget how much they used to rely on like the, the, the pacing and, and like the dramatic pauses mm. and mm. things they don't do in movies now. No. No, and, and, and it took not just the director to shoot it that way. It took a lot in the post and director sitting there, and let's keep that in. Let's get that pace moving. The the right person cutting it. Wow. Um, your first item here today we probably should get into because we actually were speaking about this on the program before it happened. Uh, earlier this month, you attended the uh, Para Tough competition in Montreal. What takes place at this event? So this is really cool event. Um, Karen and I... Uh the, the director of production, I can't remember what her title is now, production and programming. Um, it's been a couple there's hours. A, there's a case of that going on, not remembering everyone's full title. It's, it's funny how it's, it works. It's Friday. Um, so <laughs> we went to, we were in Montreal for some meetings on November 3rd, and we went to the event just to sort of see what happens because we'd heard about them, but we'd never attended before. And it's basically the big primary fundraiser for the Paralympic Foundation of Canada. Um, the one in Montreal had 16 teams competing in pair of sports, which included sitting volleyball, wheelchair basketball and para ice hockey. They weren't on a rink surface, but they had them on like um, inline skates. Oh, wow. The, uh, the, nice. the, the sledges were like on inline skates is probably mm-hmm. the best way to describe it. Um, so the teams competed. They get points for wins, um, additional points rewarded for the amount of fundraising. My really favorite part that like Karen and I sort of sat down in on, then a fireside chat section where the teams who weren't competing at the time, so you kind of got to buy each round. Um, Got to basically sit and know the para athletes who benefit from some of the funds raised, and they, they you know, had a chat with them, asked them questions, hear their stories. Um, Ten para sport athletes were on site um, when they weren't doing the fireside chats. They were coaching at the various sports. It was really great to see the interaction and camaraderie from the teams, and you could tell everybody was having a lot of fun. And the interaction really meant a lot. A lot of the teams who compete are, you know. Um, Pfizer is one of them. They had like three or four teams in there and they're the major sponsors for Paralympics. So having them there to sort of meet the, meet the athletes. And it was funny. We were talking to some of the, the staff from Paralympic Canada and they, they were saying that for these teams that come in to participate, what really means a lot is the photos they get with the athletes. Right. And these photos are displayed prominently in the offices you know, like we'll attend things all the time and have photos taken, and not all of them are used, but these photos mean a lot to these teams who, who participate, which goes a long way to say how important these events are in yeah, creating it, that relationship between the sponsors and the team. Because it speaks so much for what's going on, what's, what's needed, and what they're doing to make people who, well, I'm not sure I understand, or what, it, like they say, the, the photo can speak a thousand words. How much money was raised? So this is the first pair of top in three years, and they were able to raise $120,000. The entry right. fee for each team is 5000 So the teams did a lot of individual fundraising to get to that amount. Um, there are some more events coming up. There's one scheduled for February 9th in 2023. Can you believe it'll be 2023 in a couple of months? Mm-hmm. A couple of weeks, a few weeks. Um, and then in, um, that's going to be in Calgary. And then Toronto on March 22nd. Um, and just FYI, Toronto holds the overall record for the most raised at a single event, with 132,000 at its last event that was held in early March 2020. 
Wow. And then well, the world then the world turned upside down. Well, that's it. And and but yeah. but that's not shabby. Like really when you talk about money even at the Montreal event, did you guys try anything? Did you tr- did you get in a sledge? No, we weren't going to, but we're talking that we, maybe we want to put a team in A and AMI team in in the Toronto event. We'll see. I'll talk to cool. marketing about that. That'd be cool. That'd um, be cool. I'd, be, I'd love to see, you know, um, David Arrington try it out. Yeah. Ron Melville. Get yeah. them out there trying yeah, it. I think he'd be totally into thought, it. They would. I, I know David's yeah. very competitive, so I bet you we could get him into it. So oh, yeah. we'll see. I think so. Hey, did and we it get is... in a go-kart with you, Kels? Like, What's that? Just one uh, step up. What did Dave did? What sorry? He got in a go kart with you or something like no, that. No, he got in an actual car with race me. car. Yeah. Oh, actually, race car. Yes. Raced. Okay. Yeah. There you yeah. Go. But I I did do the sledge thing out there on the canal in Ottawa, and uh, it was Ooh. fun. Me and one of the uh, a pair of athletes went out and we did it for blindsided, and we were doing it on the actual canal when it was frozen. So it, it was it was a lot of fun and a really interesting experience. I I, I quite enjoyed you know giving it a try. So I that's why I wondered if you guys had. You know me, I would have loved to it, but they were like, these teams are very competitive as well. Oh, yeah. Um, so we weren't going to interfere no, with their you, competition. No. Like, this, you, this is a competition for these teams. Oh, I would not have gotten hurt. <laughs> I'm tough. Paratuff. I'm very tough. <laughs> uh, Karen, let's talk about Julia Lane. She had a lot of success at the World Down Syndrome Swimming Championships last month. Can you tell us about her quickly? So Julia, who's only 22, won gold in both the 50-meter and 100-meter butterfly, silver in the 50-meter, and bronze in the 100-meter, 200-meter, and 800-meter freestyle, which is a total of six medals, if you weren't keeping count. That's pretty amazing. She was the only Canadian female swimmer to medal at the event, and she, the event was held in Albuferia, Al- oh, no, Al- Portugal. That's a very tough city to say, my, my bad. Um, so Julia started swimming out of the Windsor Aquatic Club in 2014 after watching her sister compete. She's fallen in love with the sport. She has a team around her that supports her. Her parents are very involved. She's nutritionists and trainers. Um, she now belongs to the Paralympic team um, with the Windsor Aquatic Club, and she also swims with the LaSalle Windsor Special Olympics. So swimming has become a very part of her life in the last few years, and obviously she's having a lot of success. No kidding. And probably a lot of fun too. So any next steps and next things that she's looking forward to? So she's looking ahead to hopefully making the team to compete in the 2024 World Down Syndrome Swimming Championships that are set to take place in Italia, Turkey. These are really exotic places that they get to travel to, which is probably a lot of the fun for the athletes. Um, And with our recent success, I mean, I think she stands a pretty good chance. I'm not a swimming aficionado. My niece is on the varsity team at her high school she would probably be able to tell me if this was very good, but I think it is. It sounds like she's doing really well. So we know that you like float around with your book um, <laughs> by the, the nearby river, but do you actually swim? Do you enjoy swimming? I, I used to, I competed for a couple of years swimming, but we would have to train in the river and then we would have the competitions in the pool. So in the river, you're dealing okay. with um, current. There's a lot of current, yep. there's ships that go by, and then all of a sudden you get to a pool and there's no current. And I had a problem when I competed is I was so used to dealing with a current that I couldn't no swim way. straight in the lane. I with thought no it would current. be easier. It was, you could go faster, but I, I would go crooked because I was so used to swimming with, like, having <laughs> to fight a current. 
the resistance. Yeah, I'm not wow. the bright. I'm not always. I'm not always the smartest person in the room. And I, I would, I did backstroke, and I would like, I would hit my lane all the time. She was too strong. Time. You were too I, strong. Somebody, for the pool. can somebody get down to the other end and send some pushes on the water? Just send some water this way. Get a current going. Uh, wow. Yeah. Uh, thank you. But you get used. You, yeah, you get used to one way, right? You get used to something. So you do? yeah, you I, do. It, I, I didn't. I didn't last long. And lots would have thought it'd be the other way. Our content development specialists join us on Wednesdays and Fridays here on the program. Ahead in the next hour of the show, starting in 2023, Amazon will start showing Goodreads reviews and ratings in the app when searching for ebooks and audiobooks. Ryan Huey, he'll give us that scoop. Also, let's get the conversation recaps and comment on segments from the past week on Cut for Time. Up next, Margaret Weldon sits in for Bill Shackleton with the buzz. Hi, I'm Jenny Bovard. Join me monthly for Low Vision Moments, where I speak with awesome guests about some of the amusing things that happen when you're blind or partially sighted. Watch on YouTube or download Low Vision Moments from your favorite podcast distributor.